I'm here in the beginning of Lucky. Yep. I think your sitar came in like almost immediately on this. Oh yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it's inter it's interesting because this is like the the way that that this opens the record sort of opens up on all the different uh, ingredients that I think uh, get used throughout the, the whole CD, especially uh, from the keyboard standpoint, because it's like you hear within about 10 seconds, you know, the, the, the acoustic piano, um, here with the sitar, of course. There's the polypulse. <laughs> right, that's right, that's right. Yep, yeah. Yeah, they, I don't know if you remember, but on the demo, these drums were all uh, sampled, you know, from Jonathan Merrill, the guy that I co-wrote the song with. Yep. And, uh, and originally when we were recording it, you know, it was like blues, the drummer, you know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to play it. It was like, no, it sounds great the way it is. And, and I sort of felt like, well, it does sound great the way it is. Uh, and I guess you must have done all your parts to those to those sample drums, uh, you know. Yeah, I did. The, I did. I did all my parts, you know, to the sample drums. But I remember that, you know, I guess after after Blues had been in the studio with us, and then you know heard heard the drum part enough, he really uh, matched the feel and the sound so closely, and and then it just made you know, it really made the drum tracks with the record become more unified I think with with a live drum performance on on I'm lucky yeah oh yeah yeah because the whole rest of the CD it's all real drums and very very much live and played with with Gary and your original keyboard parts and you know um, yeah no question I mean, it was interesting mixing it I mean that snare drum sound from the demos was really killer and uh, blues pretty much nailed it uh, but it was, you know, I spent a lot of time making sure that, that it was, you know, just as, as, in fact, really better because it had a little bit more of a, of a, of a, a snap to it, to it, the way the blues played it. But, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it was sort of a, an interesting thing with the bass part, too, because the bass part was pretty much there. But um, it's always a trick, I think, for a player, a rhythm section player, to come in and take a part that's pretty much got to be there but make it their own and open it up. And, and I think Gary did a great job doing that too because there's no question that it's got the Gary Granger thing going on now. But, oh, but he's, he, he's still hitting all the right places and all the moments that were in that demo part, you know? I don't yep. know, on the, on the keyboard parts, I mean, the keyboard parts were really, really functional on the demo. So I, that was good because it really gave you more of a wide open palette to, to explore, you know. But I think once you came up with that sitar concept in part, that sort of was like, you know, the signature uh, keyboard sound on this song, at, le at least for me. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, it's funny because I had always wanted to... I love sitar parts. I mean, I think, I think the first time I heard a sitar was probably... Uh, you know, on, on the on the Beatles, within without you. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that may have, that may have been the first time many people heard a sitar. Right. And uh, right. to to finally be able to incorporate that onto onto a record um, successfully, 
I remember we had tried to do it. We tried to do it once before, and I, and you know, with sometimes with with synthesizer sounds, um, you know, you don't always they don't they don't quite ring out long enough or something. And the tempo of this song lent itself well to the sitar sound that I had. So yeah, you know, it, yeah, no, it's it's right out there. Well, yeah. He was lucky off into the distance. Rob Holmes played some nice soprano on that too. I should I want to mention that because he, he really oh, he really beautiful. just beautiful. Uh, there's that opening the opening yep. lick we all played for. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. This this was this is you know a tune that for me it really harks back to to some of the '70s fusion, but like melodic fusion music that I really loved when I was in my 20s and was really influencing me. There's a great guitar player named Buzzy Featon, and uh, he was in a in a band called the Larson Featon Band, and he just had this kind of a guitar sound, the electric guitar sound. But what I think is different about this is, and makes it a modern, but I think it makes it me too, but different also is using the nylon and the, and the distortion guitar like in harmony with each other. <laughs> I don't know too many people who've done that. And no, pl- it's, pl- it's playing a, them it, off each other. I, you know, Russ Freeman the Rippington certainly will plays with that idea too. Well, it's a it's a beautiful sound. I mean, in the in 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 the way they're they're blended together. I think I don't know. I mean, I don't remember you ever doing doing you know this this that kind of guitar concept on anything. No. On, on I your don't records. think so. Yeah, not, and certainly not in harmony with each other. No, <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that I definitely was, was different. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> and it's um, I you know they they match really well though on this tune. They don't you know there's it's not like it's no, not you like don't you're think hearing, about it. Yeah. Yeah, you don't think about it at all. It's, and it's uh, it's appropriate. I mean, it's almost like the nylon guitar, you know, is a vocalist, and the electric guitar is the soloist. Yeah, that's that's a, interesting. That's exactly right. And I guess that is how it it is. Now here, this this tenor solo by Rob Holmes is 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 definitely worth talking a little bit about. He, he has such a muscular tone. I mean, we just got finished talking about how this lilting soprano sound that he had on Lucky, and here he is with this fat muscular tenor sound, you know, and the way and his whole concept, you know. It's it's uh I really enjoy his playing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great sound. Now this, you know, this was the solo on the demo. And uh, I really didn't have any intention of keeping it. I never even thought about it. But once um, you and Gary and Blues and Kevin were playing to it when we were doing the real tracks. It was like it sounded great. <laughs> and I just yeah, we like. I just we, went, man, this is a much better solo than I realized. It just it just didn't hit me that way because it was being played to machinery. Um, yeah, well, when it, it, hap- when it when it happens like that, you know, when a demo, when 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 the solo on the demo, you know, is happening, you, you're probably playing it with a, with a more open mind and kind of going for it and. And all of a yeah, sudden that's a good you're, point. Yeah, you're, you're you're playing things. You're not self-conscious, so you're you're getting into new areas. You're playing, and uh, and then and then the bonus is when when the live rhythm section reacts to that the way we did. You know, it was almost like the solo helped us. You know, the solo dictated what we were going to play. Well, and and I could tell that everybody, and in particular blues, to me because there's these moments where he's just he's clearly spent time 
knowing that solo because <laughs> he yep. otherwise he just couldn't be hitting certain things that he's hitting so and now it was it was interesting i mean it was very tempted you know when i was mixing it to go back in and play with some things and then i went no no you'll never get that sound again because among other things the pedal board that i was using to get that sound had broken <laughs> yep. between between when the demos were done and, the, and and so I had a new pedal board and there's no way I would have ever gotten that exact sound. But the other thing was I felt like you don't want to do that. You don't want to mess with something that that's supposed to be an improvised improvised solo. You know, so um, I was glad I left it alone. <laughs> it didn't wow. succumb to the studio. You can make it all perfect if you really try. You know. Yeah, but it, it was it was a beautiful electric guitar sound. I mean, just really. You know, not it, it wasn't the thing that, that that jumped out more than it should in relation to the nylon string sound. Right, exactly. It, it had to be tempered so that it yep. wasn't like too hot or not, not even too hot. But yeah, just t- the timbre, the tone of it, you know, the color of it had to have a certain warmth, um, yep. which I think it got that it that you know it, it wouldn't on, on something else. I love the organ on this at the end, especially. Yeah, it's, that was that was definitely you know I was I was kind of uh, channeling Neil Larson, shall we say? <laughs> exactly. Also. No, yeah. no, it shows. I mean, I think it's really cool when when those kinds of influences are are allowed in. You know, not in a derivative way, but just in a tribute kind of a way. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I think that 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 lets everybody kind of know the what the spirit of it is. You know. Well, we're already up to the third song. This one is called I Wish I Knew. And there's your 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 your, your wah-wah guitar part there. <laughs> right, right. And the mandolins too. Those are gorgeous. Those are those are kind of, you know, those those tremolo parts. I think I don't know. I wonder I'm trying to think what was the first pop record that used a mandolin. I remember the remember the bridge to Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys? Those There's like mandolin tri- on that? I think there is, like, like right wow. in that slow part, yeah. I'll have to listen. I, I don't remember that. or But there's so many things on that, on that album that are so blended, you know what I mean? They're like one sound. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I got an email from somebody who bought the CD, a musician, and he's clearly been listening to it really carefully with headphones over and over again, and he had no idea there were mandolins on this. So it's funny. I guess I blended them pretty well too, but to me they're obvious. That again, you know how it is when every part that you play, you you know, because <laughs> oh, yeah. you, you sweat it over it, you work hard on it, and yep. you, you know all that stuff. You know, oh, those string that string line is really great. Yeah, that's a fun. This this whole you know production, I think, between the mandolins and the the way the string parts were played, you know, came off with a with a real orchestral kind of texture which uh, yeah yeah which which works really well you know with with this i mean this is almost this melody is almost like like spanish you know in a way i mean it's almost like a, a jennifer lopez kind of ballad you know there's something you know pop ballad. yeah yeah no i hear that too i hear it i hear it more now than i probably did ever because i've had some distance now you know what i mean oh, and yeah. sometimes when you when you step away from something you actually can feel the spirit of it more than when you're in the midst of it just because you, you kind of get a an impression now rather than before you've got so many intellectual thoughts about it and and you know conscious things um but yeah i hear exactly what you mean yep now th- this 
This bridge was interesting. I remember working with you on the keyboard parts and it, that Fantasia, that bell-like, for people who don't know what that sound, that zing, that you, you know, that was really kind of the key keyboard element in this bridge. And it was important too, you know, because it couldn't just, it had to, it had to have some relief from the rest of the song, but it, it couldn't, the intensity couldn't drop. And that Fantasia sound and, and particularly the part, which keeps going here, really was the um, was was the the string that held that together to me yeah well it, it punctuated you know what was happening harmonically in the bridge you know right like right. Like, like with each phrase you know I, I guess every four bars exactly. I think I played it that's right and I'm trying to think we didn't really hardly use it anywhere else in the song I mean just in a couple couple downbeats of yep. beginnings of sections but it, the bridge was where it really came forward yeah, um, which was a good um, spotlight for it. You know, it wasn't overused. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was a moment in the bridge, a unique moment. You know, to the overall sound that just happened, overall song that just happened in the bridge. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now this, the ending of this is is really quite quite a lot of playing going on. There's there um, between the set soprano sax, Rob Holmes, and, and me. I remember. Oh, that's this, gorgeous. This, I, love I don't know that, if you Jim. remember, but the, the demo was, was, thanks Jay, the demo was was actually about a half a minute, 40 seconds shorter, but the band and everybody was just so going that I ended up, um, you know, we, we extended the ending about 40 seconds, because I think, I can't remember exactly where, but I think right around here it was fading in the demo, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's going to go on for quite a while somewhere around here is where it would have been over you know yeah yep. right here and there's the bells again oh yeah that's right that's right <laughs> oh yeah that's just i love that stuff see that's oh that's like guitar heaven to me you know <laughs> and i mean i it's it's just such a gorgeous tone you know playing just just virtuosic well-balanced playing but you know, the trick i always find is to it's just to keep being thinking melodic you know which i think is is something it's a challenge for because as you know with guitar and piano keep any keyboard too you can play on and on there's no need to breathe (laughs) you know and so we all are tempted to just keep going oh yeah okay now now we're into one of my favorite tunes from the cd and it's very different called no other way and this this in one in particular features so many wonderful keyboard parts both parts that are part of the texture and then of course this really cool synth solo that you played but this this whole we should just listen for a sec yeah that 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 piano the acoustic piano part you know is is Again, just got to be just the right notes, you know. There's no really, yeah, the right register and then those... too. Yeah, exactly. Now here's your synth solo. Talk about something recalling, you know, some a spirit, a spirit that's sort of 30 years old. But there's something about this. It's deeper than just that. It musically recalls a, an era of of. Contemporary jazz that's that that's 30 years old. There's something about the sound and the way you play that um, it's just kind of timeless quality to it. <laughs> 
and it, it, I mean, it really takes me some other place. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, I mean, you know, the better synthesizer players from the 70s, you know, a lot, some who are still around today, I mean, between Joe Zawinul and Jan Hammer and Chick Corea and mm-hmm. George Duke, you know, and T. Lavitz even from the Dregs, you know, I mean, they, right. they, they all had, they played with like a vocal quality and an expressive. Exactly. The way yeah, they, yeah, that's, the that's way they, right. The way they bend, you know, it's funny, like in Tom Coster too, Tom Coster once commented that it's better to do vibrato with the pitch bend lever than it is with just moving the modulation wheel up because it's more vocal-like or more real. Right. Yeah, and it's you know. like, well, it gives, it makes you responsible for every nuance of it. You know, it doesn't just happen. It, you have to control it and, and that human element any way you can get it, you know. Yep. Even more so with electronics is, 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 is vital to it coming across in a way that sounds vocal or like, a, you know, like somebody singing it to you. you know? Oh, yeah. Kevin Prince, the percussionist, really did a cool go-go part. Go-go bells? Yeah. Yeah. There. Also, the intro he played, that oh, was yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. That was really cool. It's really easy not to hear, you know, some of his his parts because, first off, there's they're just so incorporated into the texture of the of the rhythm. Yeah, here he is, you know. This is the a triangle. shaker. The shaker, yeah, too. Sh- the shaker and like the triangle, exactly. And the go-go bells come back in. I can't remember where. Yep, the congas are underneath. Right. Uh, right. Did, did he track the congas live with us? I think he did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Every conga or bongo part, and sometimes at the same time, he did live. Um, very different concept on this record that way. Um, here comes that piano figure. Oh, no, I guess we heard it for the last time. I thought there was one more of it. There it is. Yep. <laughs> I knew it was in there. And there's the go-go bells. Somewhat reminiscent of, of some of Lyle Mays's delicate piano parts. Oh, exactly, exactly. I mean, it, it, it getting that... Oh, there's that, that... Again, even just that keyboard, it's so cool at the end that it fades away with that because that's sort of the, the glue for the entire... Um, harmonic thing in the tune and it you know you get to hear it at the end in a way you never heard it in the rest of the song 